Welcome back to the Seattle Sports Union Podcast. My name is Abraham Deweese, back again with the soul man, Brian Solak. And this week, we have a very special guest, a legend in Seattle Supersonics history, the X-Man himself, former, former Seattle sure. Supersonic, Xavier McDaniel. Welcome, X-Man. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for joining us. This is fantastic. You just put your kids to sleep. Uh, it, it, you have... Um, a wonderful family life, X Man. Uh, that's one thing that Brian and I were talking about uh, beforehand. It's not just uh, it's not just a uh, uh, legendary athlete on our show, but you're you're kind of uh, uh, prodigious in your uh, your family your family life, and we appreciate that when we get somebody some somebody yes. on that cares as much as you do about that. Yes, yes, I try to do the best I can. <laughs> them, them love suckers want to make you kill them after a while. <laughs> 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 yeah. You you have uh you have a couple of uh children uh your daughter Z- pr- correct me if I'm pronouncing this wrong. Uh Zelinia and uh you have Xavier Jr. both played at yes. the, both played at the college level. Um your daughter was freshman of the year for ACC. Uh and right. then, and then your son, I believe you I I believe I've seen you at Seattle U basketball games watching him uh play against our our local yeah. team. Yeah, in the right way right where they were sitting at was about where our bench was used to be in the old Seattle Coliseum. Oh, really? I didn't know why they played the game. They didn't have many fans. It was, you know, the old Seattle Coliseum's uh, Seafirst building was kind of big. But, yeah, Sam Perkins was there. A couple guys that I knew came out for that game. I flew out for that game. Do, do, you, get yeah. out, do you get out to watch your children as often as you can, or is that uh... – uh, well, when they were in school, Zelina's graduated. Uh, she came out in 2012, graduated from North Carolina the last two years of her career. She just had a bunch of physical problems. Uh, first, she told, we thought it was a twisted. Uh, she twisted her foot and it wound up, she tearing Achilles. Oh, wow. And the next year, next year, we, in, we I go to see her play in Georgia at Georgia Tech. And she falls out, probably fell out a million times that way. And the way she started grimacing, I said, damn, look like she done tore ACL. And that was the end of her senior year. Xavier uh, was two years at Rio Grande Valley, didn't do the work in the classroom. So uh, he's in Seattle. They both live in Seattle with their mom. Oh, wow. Wow. Well, at least, um, uh, at least for your daughter, she got away. She got, uh, uh, Degree from North Carolina, that's pretty cool. Right, right, right. <laughs> that's outstanding. Um, obviously, we're going to ask you a bunch about your career, but I have to ask, when I called you last week, you told me about your infatuation with eating fish, or was it salmon? I mean, salmon. What, yeah. What, yeah, what inspired that? Well, probably because I, I, I lived in Seattle. Salmon is a big thing. I, I used to love to go to Pike's Market on Saturday when I had free time. When I played with the Sonics, I had a lot more time when I was living out there for a few years uh, before I came back to South Carolina full-time in 1995. I, I mean, I'm, I'm sorry, not 95, but 2005. Two, no, 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 2001. Okay. 2001, 2002. I, I left Seattle, left my brother, I left my cousin up there. I left my two kids uh, going through a a breakup and I decided to come back home and then she moved to South Carolina 
And for a little while, uh, things did not go very, very well, but she wound up going back. The, the kids stayed with, down here for a while, and now they're back in Seattle. So I think Xavier went back uh, about three years ago, and Z's been back in four, maybe four years now. It's, so it's still my in- other daughter, Alicia, lives in Charlotte with her husband. Oh, nice. And I have two little ones, Max and Dax. Nice. Yeah, relationships are always tough, but one thing that's fantastic is you've always, it's always seems to me that you've been there for your children, even, you know, if yeah. if that relationship doesn't work, you yeah. keep that with your kids yeah. going. That's I tell a- people all the time, I, I, you, you can only do the best you can. You, you, you can, you just try to teach them and hope that they learn everything that you taught them. Uh, and that's all you can do. Question for you, X-Man. How'd you become a movie and TV star? We all got to see your cameos on Married with Children and right. Singles. Where did that come from? Well, um, I don't know. David Falk called me one day and said, hey, they want you to do Married with Children. <laughs> and then he did the same thing. We got a gig for you to do a single, the movie Single. And the late Wayne Cody. Yes. Me and the late Wayne Cody, we were, uh, they had did a tent set up somewhere um, like towards uh, somewhere off of Queen Anne somewhere I can't exactly remember and they had it set up and staged up and they had me reading this line and I had all type of trouble with it because it did not <laughs> feel natural Yeah. so after about 10 takes of struggling me and Wayne just kind of like, hey, just let us do like a, a interview after a game. Nice. Okay. And we did it on the first take. And it was like, oh, we love that. So it was like, only thing I had to do was make sure I said, don't come yet. <laughs> and we just did an interview, man. They sprayed me down real good. And we just, we just winged it after about 10 tries because I was like, that's not natural the way y'all got us doing it. And you got me stuttering where Wayne just took a game that I did and we just started talking and it just came out natural one take after we revised it one take and it was like cool we good so uh, and then I was with Seattle also when I got the uh, for for Mar- no 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 Merit with Children I was with Boston I think you were with Boston okay. yeah yeah yes I was with Boston and um, that was my show in the 90s, early 90s, mm-hmm. Married with Children. I am the only one that ever beat up Ed <laughs> on the show. <laughs> I'm the only one. No one ever beat him up. I mean, he always kicked everybody's tail. I'm the only one. So uh, Clyde Drexler was on there and Vlade Divas was on there. So um, I-, I had a good time doing it. The cast made me feel so very comfortable. Um, the first day they told me it wouldn't be um, live, that we'd be just going over. And I got real nervous, and I was ready to quit because I was like, oh, it was like, man, you play in front of 18,000 people, you nervous. <laughs> I was like, but you're moving, and it's something I've done all my life. But they made it so easy for me, man. And I was like, you messed that line up to make me feel good. But I pretty much knew the lines, it's like one time, Peg put her breasts in my face. Hey. And I just busted up. Uh. <laughs> you know? 
and <laughs> I just I just bust out laughing. And so we, you know, it, it was just it was just fun. I, I really enjoyed myself. We all went out and ate lunch right across the street. So it was fun. I, I went in. It was, you know, you look at a thirty minute TV show. It takes all day. Wow. We started wow. like that morning. We finished like eight that night. I was like, dang. But I mean, I had a couple more opportunities, but I was going through some things in the in the late nineties and early two thousand with my ex, and my attorney told me, "Do you love your kids, and you want your kids, or do you want to do a little act?" And I had like. I was reading for like a couple of couple of things and I had to turn them down because I felt like my kids were more important. Wow. Very cool. Understood. Um, you talked about your, your two little ones you just put to bed. Are they involved in sports? I'm just curious. Well, Max is playing a little soccer. He goes to like a soccer camp out the, out the school. Um, it is, it's just like a training. He's in the second grade. He, he's he's just learning how to play soccer. But I told him, oh, oh, everything comes off next year. About this time, we're going to be getting at it. Uh, <laughs> we, we just do a little stuff with him. Um, Maury is a basketball coach at Harris-Stowe State University in St. Louis. And that's where we're going to be relocating at after December. Uh, sometime in December, uh, after school get out, probably after the Christmas break. Okay. And so she's she's the head coach up there. So um very cool. I read I read yeah, that uh, so right now he's not playing right now. I, I read okay. that uh your your current business is flipping homes. Uh, is that something that you'll continue to do when you move? Well, no. No. I was doing that here. Uh and I did it for a while and then I started building some homes. I sold about 10. I actually, I've sold all my real estate nice. that I had. We just, I was uh, flipping them. And, and then I started to build about 12 homes in Columbia. Oh, wow. And stuff. And so I kept a couple of them for rental. And then I about two years ago, I sold them all. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I, just, just curious, can, can we... Uh, I'm trying to know how to phrase this, but can we get you to go to Oklahoma City and flip Clay Bennett, <laughs> or perhaps come to Seattle and flip Howard Schultz? I mean, well, seriously, what what are your thoughts on? You know, let's get some of your muscle. Yeah, let's get some well, of your muscle uh, and some of your intimidation. Well, <laughs> well, un unfortunate, you know, the team got so. I just felt like there's enough money in Seattle that someone could have bought that team even if the state or the city came in and bought it and until they find the investor, because, you know, Microsoft, I mean, they got a lot of people with a lot of money mm -hmm. yep. and you got Bezos, uh, you know, he, he's been, been racking up the dollar. So he could have bought a lot of people could have probably bought it. Several people could have probably went in. It's just unfortunate, man, that, a franchise like Seattle was moved. I mean, you got all these teams like Memphis, Atlanta, Washington. You got a lot of teams that don't don't draw, sell out, or yeah. don't yeah. show good. Seattle shows good, man. And um, 
even in my bad, my first year, that 31 and 51 team, we still average eight, 9,000 every night in a 15,000-seat arena. So when the old Seattle College, I think it fit, fit like 14,800 and something. Um, I just didn't think it was moved, but I think it came down to David Stern in the city of Seattle. Yeah. It was just bad blood. And nobody wants to admit it, but David Stern is the most powerful man. He's more powerful than the owners, and that's who he worked for. Yep. He tells the owners what to do when he was alive. And he was the most powerful man in basketball. And I think when you built the Seahawks Stadium and you built the Mariners Stadium, and I know what you did because I was a part, right before I got traded, they were re-renovating the Seattle Coliseum for C-First uh, when it was named C-First Arena. Mm-hmm. Um, but you should have did a new one. Yeah, Everybody dropped the ball on it. You, you you can blame David Stern. You can blame Seattle. You can blame Howard Schultz. You can blame a lot of people in the whole situation. But the ball was dropped. And I always say, who get hurt? Who get hurt in this? The fans. fans yeah. The fans are the only ones that get hurt. And I was glad to see basketball in Seattle. Uh, preseason game. I even made a tweet. Ain't nobody invited me to the game. I'm mad about that now. <laughs> you know, because any other time somebody called me and say, hey, you're trying to keep C out of there. Nobody called me, you know, uh, but it's cool. I'm glad. And, and, and I, I believe that within the next five years, Seattle will have a team. I hope so. And I, I, I would just hope that I don't want to be a part of management or nothing or working for them. I just want to be there when they, you know, when, when they open the gates and say, hey, the Seattle Supersonics are back. I just want to be there. That would be a great, great thing for the city. And uh, and to get back with that rivalry with Portland, man, wow. Yeah, definitely. It, it would be very entertaining. Hey, uh, let's talk about basketball a little bit. Uh, you're from the East Coast. You're from uh, South Carolina. Yeah. And uh, we were talking to you just before this show, and you were watching Wichita State, the college you went yeah. to. What yeah. what is a, What is an East, or I guess a guy from the South, <laughs> What what draws him to Wichita State? Right. I, I'm just going to make a, a long story short because this would be like we'd have to have like we like five parts, and I'm just trying to make it short. In high school, I was a damn knucklehead. To be honest, I was a knucklehead. I was into anything. If you wanted to fight, that was fine. Uh, if my friends were fighting. I made sure nobody jumped in. I didn't like doing homework anymore. And I just was a knucklehead. My high school coach, he he was my JV coach. And then I got moved up to varsity. The varsity coach was was uh, retiring. And my high school coach, he 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 knew we had a good team. He, he used to tell me all the time, boy, you, you're going to be a player. If you get your crap together, you're going to be a player. And... You know, I was just like, uh, I'm from the hood. You know, I, I, I done seen a lot. I didn't do a lot, but I seen a lot. Most of my stuff was like fighting little juvenile stuff, I would call it, and stuff. And a lot of people say, oh, yeah, she was a bully. But I really wasn't a bully because if you're a new kid at the school, I see people messing with you. I'll be like, yo, man, that's my friend, man. Leave him alone. So bullying to me is when someone picks on other people. I didn't do that. But I will fight now. I had, I had a few of them at the school, but I, I, 
I, I did a lot of juvenile stuff, little very immature stuff. And when I realized that I had an opportunity to play basketball, I started really taking it serious. And I started getting all these recruiting, but Duke could come in. No grade. Grades weren't good. I, 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 I tell people this all the time. I had more cooking classes than English classes. <laughs> just being honest. I just, yeah. that's where we're in, in, at, at, a, at a 14, 15, 16 year old kid, 17 year old kid, I would just have fun, you know? And so my English teacher, Ms. Adams and Coach Williams, they got together. They had a plan for me, man. And I just had to follow through. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I got letters from Duke. I got letters. I told Patrick, I still got the letter. I got letters from Georgetown. I got letters from just about everybody. Patrick being I mean, Patrick Ewing. Yeah. Wow. He was like, man, boy, you went, you came there. I was like, nah, man. I, John Thompson got older. He could deal with Iverson. I probably was way worse than Iverson back then. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, but South Carolina and Clemson were my biggest recruiters. Then Memphis State, Ole Miss. I mean, Ole Miss was like, we need you, man. They kept watching me, and they was like, man. I mean, they were like on me, Memphis State. Wichita State came in. I think Wichita State, because Sam Goodwin, the assistant coach on the football team with Coach Jeffries, went to school with my mother, his brother, the brothers, and my dad, my mom. They were all friends. All of them were friends. The Goodwins and the McDaniels are friends. A lot of people say, oh, that's not a very good combination. They, that family was something else than two families, but they were real good friends. And so, and I'm friends with all, with, with, with their kids still yet to this day. We all, I mean, we all friends. I mean, I talk to Chris, his nephew all the time, either on the phone or, t- or, or text. So my mom then felt like I needed to get out of town. High school coach felt like I need to get out of town. He always say, when you get to Kansas, by the time you get to know somebody, you'll be done got your stuff straight. And that's what happened. I got there and I just changed everything about what I did. Had better grades in, in college than I did high school. Mm. So I started applying myself. But basically just doing a lot of juvenile stuff. I never went to like jail or anything or, you know, the police officers showing up well except for maybe one time but that was was for fighting but i was defending myself both times after it came out i was defending myself so uh but other than that though man it was just a lot of juvenile things that i did a lot of people a lot of friends in the neighborhood did um but other than that though man um I, i i go back i tell people elementary i was a safe patrolman i, I helped the kids cross school okay. to stop the traffic and they let them cross and i put a flag down i folded i did a lot of things i was in plays in, in elementary and middle school but i don't know what the hell happened but something <laughs> happened from that ninth grade to 10th grade that ninth grade 10th grade <laughs> and i had some of the worst grades in america it sounds I mean, I had like sounds a, like it was I just like good the average sounds like it was good just to get a fresh start you know New well, environment. You don't know a lot of people. I went to Kansas. I just knew I just knew Coach Jeffries and Coach Goodwin them. I just knew them. And so and I met a lot of people, you know, friends in uh St. Louis, 
Oklahoma, Muskogee, Muskogee, Oklahoma, and Oklahoma City, and Dallas, and, you know, even people from Atlanta, you know. So, and I had another guy that played at Keenan High School, he played football. He was out there playing football. So, uh, I just, I just realized I had an opportunity, man, and you only got one opportunity to get this thing right. Some people get two and three. I felt like I needed one, and I, and I, and I was fortunate to play with two future players. Pro players, uh, Antoine Carter and Cliff Leviston. I also played with Greg Dryland and Artie Sharad. Oh wow! So okay, by by playing with those guys, man, I, I knew I had to come with my A game, and you know, uh, I just want to make my parents proud. Also, you know, I tell kids all the time, we, you know, you do some things when you're young, it's okay, just don't continue to do them. We all done some things. My parents, myself. You know, people are going to do things, just don't continue to do them and learn from your mistakes. And so when I got to college, man, it was like, get up. Nobody's there telling me I got to get up and go to class. I set that alarm that my high school coach bought me a alarm clock. I set it every, every morning, seven o'clock. I got up. And every time my grades, every semester I sent him my grades, he would post and show the school. If Xavier can do it, anybody can do it. That's cool. And yeah. So so I I I I worked my tail off and then I had a girlfriend. She also pushed me too at that time. So um fortunately, I mean it, it worked out for me. I don't know how it would have been if I went to South Carolina, Clemson, or Memphis State or Ole Miss, because those were my other choices. I don't know how it would have been. I just know going to Wichita State was a was a great opportunity for me. Awesome. Where were you, or actually, how old were you when you decided to become the intimidator? You shaved your head. I heard you shaved your eyebrows and became a, a bigger badass on that's, the basketball court. I mean, tell me a little true. No, that's not true. I mean, if you look at my eyebrows, look, they don't grow. They don't grow. If you look at them, they don't grow. I understood. I, I mean, to, to be very honest, I, me and we started in high school, myself, Johnny Hampton, Tyron Corbin, Alan Green. We would go to this uh, barbershop, Johnny Cole. Mm -hmm. Well, me, Alan Green, and Johnny Hampton. I'm not sure where time went, but we would always leave school early. It's game day. So we found out you always had to play. You always had to go to school a half a day. Okay. To play in the game. And that's all we would do on game day. <laughs> Big games that we play in Eau Claire High School or Drill High School or Lower Richmond High School. Those were the big games in the city. And so what we would do, go home and get a fresh cut. Go downtown, get a fresh cut. Come back and be looking all fresh. And then when I got to college, it kind of continued because the guys were already doing that. So my sophomore year, Arby Sherrod, James Gibbs are like, Hey man, we're gonna get a ball. We're gonna just cut out here a ball. And I was like, cool. Y'all gonna do it, I'll do it if y'all do it. I got in the chair, cut my hair ball, and they looked at me talking about, we're not doing that. <laughs> and I was like, oh man, y'all already done like it. that. <laughs> and so when I got to the game, people were going crazy. And it just stuck. It just stuck with me. And when I came to Seattle, you know, me and Slick Watts. Yeah. We did. Uh, I was in the barber chair. He was cutting my hair. That was, <laughs> oh, really? that was, that was a poster <laughs> that we had out. I remember and that. So yep. That thing stuck with me. 
throughout my career. And, you know, I even read one time when he said in Jet Magazine, Michael Jordan started the ball here. I'm like, that's a damn lie. He didn't start it. I started <laughs> no, it. He might have made it famous. Yeah. But he didn't start it. I did. So, <laughs> And now when you look at it, man, I see Robert Parrish got a ball here. I see everybody got a ball here. Now, Ray Allen, who's from South Carolina, too, you know. Uh, well, he's not really from here, but he went to high school here. Right. Yeah. Right. But uh, I think he went seven through to twelfth grade. I guess that makes you from South Carolina. If you don't want to be, that's fine too. But, uh, so you uh, you you got this you got this uh, moniker of being the intimidator, X Men. But uh, I don't think most people realize that you were actually the first guy to ever uh, lead the NCAA in points and rebounds. So you had a lot of technical skill as well. Do you ever do you ever feel like how did I get stuck with this intimidator when I'm really actually good at both sides of the you know court? Well, to be honest, when I was in the I was about thirteen or fourteen years old, and this guy named Buddy Taylor, we played for him. Our team was called Henley Holmes. That's I grew up next to the project called Henley Holmes. I'm from Edisto Court. It's just like right, walking right across the street. Walk out one door, walk across the street. And so every game we would be losing and we didn't play well, he was like, y'all didn't play well, y'all going to fight. <laughs> so we were about to get in a fight. Oh, he, would be, he would be killing us all outside. He would be like practicing at, at 1 o'clock. Well, you know, it gets, it gets up here like it stays in the triple digits sometimes here. And, it's, mm. and the humidity is, is, is crazy. So we knew if we didn't fight, he would just he would just dog us out the next day at practice. And he actually lived in Washington State. He lives in Washington State now. He was in Seattle for a while. His cousin lives out there. But Buddy Taylor, me and his brother, all of us, we played ball. And so uh, I think that's where some of the fighting came from, like in the games. But, man, where I'm from, man, if, if you knew where I was from and the things that I've as a, as a kid, I don't think no kid should see people shot, people stab, people fight. People yeah. don't realize how bad black neighborhoods can be sometimes. You know, um, people that know each other kill each other all the time. I've seen a lot of it. So, um, came from a tough environment. My parents were tough. My parents were tough on me. You know, so they didn't make it easy for me. My dad used to tell me all the time, we ain't going to sit here and tell you to do this and that. At 18, you got to get the hell out of our house. So I had some tough parents. And and and, and so uh, you ain't got to listen to me. But at 18, oh, man, you, your bag's being packed. So you better learn. To, to, if you ain't trying to listen, man, they're going to put you out. So uh, the neighborhood was tough. But you know what, though? But I, I never traded because I learned so much. I learned how to be tough. I learned how to, you know, just stand up for myself. Uh, I learned how to play street basketball. I learned how to play football. I learned how to play baseball. And, you know, a lot of people don't even realize how so I was a very good baseball player oh, wow. growing up. So uh, my uncle taught me the game of baseball. And a very I, I started playing baseball maybe – I can remember shagging balls and catching for them when I was about seven years old. My uncle played Sandlot basketball. He actually played for my high school coach. 
him and another friend got in some trouble, so they got he got kicked off. And he had to work the chain game every summer for like two years. And he wasn't allowed to play high school ball no more. Yeah. Lost all his scholarships. And so he taught me the game of baseball. I played till I was 18 years old, till I went to Wichita State. And uh, that's always been my first love. And and I actually really played. Now, I can't say what Michael Jordan did, because I ain't played <laughs> in a little league. I played till I was 18. Yeah. So, you, you, you know, I tell people all the time, you can't play little league baseball and think you can play major league. Right. I didn't play since I was 18. Four years later, there's no way I can play baseball. You might be the perfect. You you might be the perfect uh, person to ask X man, uh, because this World Series was the first one that didn't have uh, any black, uh, you know, American uh, players in it. Uh, What has called? What's caused like the fall off in participation uh, from black youths in baseball? I don't know. I, I couldn't even tell you. Everybody in my neighborhood played baseball just about. Yeah. You had to be literally like some type of you just had to hate sports not to play. Everybody in my neighborhood played sports. We played baseball all the time. We played it uh in the summer, we played it in the winter. I mean we, we guys in the neighborhood, man, we get to playing, the guys in the projects, we all meet up in the ball field and we would just play. I don't I can't understand why. You know, I don't know if it's too hot or what, but kids, black kids don't like to play baseball. I, I mean, I, if I just sit here, I could probably name 30 people off the top of my head to play baseball in my neighborhood. Now, you don't see any of that. And when you do see a, a, a black guy until he start talking, oh, he's from like, you know, Puerto Rico or Dominican or South America somewhere. <laughs> but, you know, because, you know, black skin coming, you know, from different, you know, nationalities. And, I just don't know why, but I mean, I watch it all the time. I, I don't, I don't understand. I, I really don't. I don't understand why black kids don't play, but I know a lot of black kids play basketball. They love basketball and they love football. So I, I, ha- I couldn't explain why. Where I know in the seventies, I don't know, but I, I guarantee you at least made up forty percent of uh, 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 the athletes. At least forty percent. Yeah. Now. I don't think it's even 5% black players playing now. I, I really couldn't tell you why. Okay. Appreciate that answer. Um, what was it like being drafted by the Seattle Supersonics way across the country on the other <laughs> side? Well, I mean, how'd you feel on draft day? Well, I felt really good going into the draft. Uh, David Falk played a joke on me and said Seattle traded the pick. Oh. And I could possibly go into the Clippers at number three or Atlanta at number five. And I was like, wow, I could. <laughs> and they were like, oh, man, I'm just playing with you. <laughs> you know, a lot of people, I, I knew it was up between me and Detlitz that they was going to draft it uh, in that 85 draft. Detlitz had a great career, too. But I tell people all the time, I was the best player for that position. Mm-hmm. for Seattle. Uh, I, I was ready-made for that position. Yep. I had a lot of street ball in me. Uh, not fancy stuff, but just being on the blacktop. Uh, I felt like my game fit the NBA style and the physical, the physicality of the game. Uh, a run, a jump, a rebound, I played defense. And you just look at those first three years. You can look at Carmelo. 
You can look at Patrick, Chris Mullins, all those guys in that draft. But you go look at Xavier McDaniel. I was outperforming all those guys until I hurt my knee. Old yeah. Apollonies fell on my knee, and I hurt it in 88, the year I made the All-Star team. I, and, wait, uh, that Olden Polonies? Oh, no. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> fell on my knee. We were playing Utah. I'll never forget that day. And I kept playing on the leg and when I should have had surgery. And so, you know, you're 24 years old, 25 years old. You got like a 42-inch vertical, and you're still jumping. You know, you, you're taking what people tell you. They tell me I can still play. But now, as I got older and been a player, I should have had my knee repaired uh, when I got hurt, and I did not get it repaired. And over time, I remember I was with Boston, and I went to the hole. I took off. I was like, oh, shit. I had the rim dunk. I was like, oh, shit. I've been doing this dunk since I was 16 years old, <laughs> and I barely made it. So as as my career was going, I started losing a lot of the the athletic ability in my game. And so, you know, people look, and they're like, but I tell them, you know, in that 85 draft, I, I felt like I should have been rookie of the year, you know. Definitely, Patrick yeah. missed, and he, he, he clears that he deserves it. I said, Patrick, come on, man. I know you got to look at that fucking trophy every day in your house. I don't deserve it. Because you played 50 games. I played 82 games. You you take away my worst 32 games and then do my average. Yeah. I played 82 games. Average 17 and 8. And I, I just think that I performed everybody in that draft that year. What and a I think for about a, for a three or four year stretch out of that draft, you know, even though I made one all-star, I felt like I should have made four or five all-star games. But, you know, the, the West was packed with yeah. James Worthy, Alex English, Kiki Van Noy, uh who else? Uh, of course, Carl Malone, Carl Malone. and Yeah. Well, Carl Malone was a power forward. That's true. That's but true. That, I'm trying to think of some other guys. That was, you know. Well, you mentioned uh, on that. you mentioned Detlef and uh, yeah. AC was AC Green a small a small yeah player? AC Green yeah. was in um, LA at the time. I think he was like twenty third pick or something, twenty fourth pick, twenty second, somebody around there. Him and Terry Porter. Okay, man, what a draft! By the way, you just yeah. named all these names like <laughs> oh Purvis Short, Joe also Joe Dumars was in there. The NBA was kind of packed at that small forward slot. Back there. So uh, I'm not mad that I didn't make the all-star team because I tell people your peers understand, you know, what you did and what you didn't do. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I always say when the media likes you, they're going to vote you in regardless. I I feel, I feel like you got more famous when you left the Supersonics, to be honest. Um, Do you feel, do you ever feel the same way as well? Like maybe making it to the Knicks and the Boston after that? Gave you more well, I think my appeal. best years were in Seattle, but I think playing for New York, people like I only played one year in New York, but they, they thought I played like three or four years. Um, when I got traded to, it was already rumors that I was going to New York. I didn't play one night uh, against Vancouver right before they got a team. We were in Vancouver playing against the Bulls. I don't know if you remember that we played the Bulls in Tampa, Seattle. We we had like forty thousand people in mm-hmm. in, in oh, the kingdom. Wow. Okay. And then we went to Vancouver and played. So we played them three times, all back to back to back. Hmm. 
I didn't play in Vancouver because it was rumors that I was getting traded. It did not happen. It did not happen. And I was I started what 15, 16, 17 games in Seattle. And I got traded in Orlando to Phoenix. Um I didn't think Phoenix was a good fit for me. Me and Tom was, you know, we was cool. I don't care what people said. Tom will tell you the same thing. Tom being we, Tom, me and Tom Chambers, used to eat right. together. Yeah, the people used to be writing articles like Xavier and Tom don't go. To, I knew it came from the management, either Bernie Bickerstaff or Bob Wilson. Me, Tom, Nate, and Danny Young, we used to always go to Jake O'Shaughnessy and eat. Just about after every game, in 41 games, I know we ate over there 25 times and we didn't <laughs> have to go out of town. We always ate together. Sometimes I paid, sometimes Tom paid. I never let Nate. And then they pay because they were the point guard. <laughs> you don't keep, you take care of your point guard. Right. They're gonna <laughs> feed they're gonna literally <laughs> feed you, I right? They always say the same thing. So I'm sitting there like Tom, why would they say we don't get along? When I got traded, the first person that met me in the airport was 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 um Tom. Oh cool. Yeah. Well, I shouldn't say that the hotel, because I was we was in Orlando and they came in that night. Tom was the first person. We we were cool. We you know, and you know, I don't know why the people would do that, but I, I understand it now as I got older. That's what management do. They 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 cop stories up and then, you know, because me and Tom had it, because I would tell Tom, God damn it, Tom, you ain't playing no defense tonight. You know, or he would say something to me or we'll say something to Dale. You know, we would always get on each other. But um, me and Tom was very different, but I just didn't feel they had Hornacek, Tom, Dan Marley, they had uh, Kevin AJ Johnson. There? Oh yeah, sorry. AJ, yeah, yeah. They had Kevin Johnson. So where? I mean, you got me in a corner. It fit better for Eddie Johnson. Eddie Johnson fit better for the Sonics too because he's a spot shooter. I'm more of a uh, in the paint type of guy. offensive guy. I don't need the ball, but I need to be moving. I don't need to be sitting in a corner, right? And sitting there shooting spot jump shot. That's never been my game. So. Uh, wasn't a good fit. When I went to New York and I remember driving from Seattle to Phoenix and at that time wireless phones wasn't that good when you're going through the mountains. And as soon as I got through the mountains and Phoenix was maybe 30 miles away, I got a message. I'm checking the message say uh, they were trying to find me because I was driving all through the night. Got to, to the office, and I remember Carl Fitzsimmons said, we just traded your ass. I said, where? He said, New York. I said, thank you, because that's where I wanted to go, because I felt like with me, Patrick, and Oakley, that would have been a hell of a front line. I just mm -hmm. knew. But then, I, you know, being in a contract year, you know, I just got caught up in a contract year, and, and I only stayed there for one year. I just wish I would have been there. I just felt like we were on that urge of doing some great things. Just like I felt like we was doing some great things in Seattle. You know, you can't let Tom go for nothing. That's, you know, you can't let him go for nothing. And then you trade me, it worked out for him because Eddie Johnson, you know, he he was a come off the bench type guy. So that worked good for him. And, and that worked good for Sean and Gary because it gave them an opportunity to blossom. Um, but I just felt like when the team was getting good, 
I felt like the team tried to get rid of me because I poured my heart and soul in that team. I played I played nights where I shouldn't even play. Nick McMillan will tell you. I played nights where I was getting my knee drained. I played in 88. I played from January, like, I hurt my knee somewhere around like right at the end of January, like 25th, 27, 28, we were playing Utah. And I played all the way through that series with Denver with a bum knee. And I, I, I know everybody get traded, but I just felt like the way they did me, where Bob Winston said, X, we're not trying to trade you. And I was traded like 10 days later. Mm. That's the part of the game I don't like. The bit, I yeah. mean, tra- being traded is a part of the game. But just be honest with the players. That's yeah. why I tell people, I don't get mad when these guys request trades or these guys hold the team hostage, you know, uh, because management been doing that to players forever. Yeah, they'll cut you at the drop of a hat. They'll trade right. you. Yeah. Right. That's crazy. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I got I to – sorry to interrupt. I got to ask, I mean – who who is your least favorite player on the on the NBA court that he played against? I I want to say Wes Matthews, if you don't mind me saying that. But if you don't want to say Wes, talk about that. That's fine. But do you have a uh, least player? My least player I hate. Yeah, or, or the player you hate the, the most. I guess. You, <laughs> who did you hate the most? I'm sorry. Let me rephrase that. I, your least really, favorite player. Person, I, I would probably say I, at that time. I probably hated Rotman because I felt like he was a dirty player and stuff. I just felt like like they he was dirty. Hold on. More, I'm on the phone. I'll call you back. Yeah, I just felt like Dennis Rotman, if you're getting the best of him, he starts doing antics. Like, I know I was in Boston and I'm laying on the floor. He hit me in the private and the referee X, I didn't see. I look up there. <laughs> and he did it the second time and I, I just went over there and just started busting his just busting him outside the head. I was with Boston. And you know, anytime that you are doing anything to Dennis, he's gonna try to re- revert the dirtiness. Cause I tell people on the street, and the NBA let that jump go. That's why he kept doing it over the years. Because they never t- made him tone it down. Yeah. You know, but Dennis Robin's probably the most hated guy, man. <laughs> but to get back to to um, Wes Matthews, I tried to apologize to Wes in Atlanta, and he called security on me. And I was like, Wes, I, I just told the security man I was just trying to apologize. Man, he said, Man, just leave him alone. And I just never left him. I just never said nothing else to him, man. and I felt bad what I did because when I was being recruited by Wisconsin. I had him on my wall as a junior in high school. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. But oh, wow. he knows what happened. I know what happened when me and him going for that ball. He tried to kick me in my face. You got to take him, go slow. You'll see his feet coming up. And, then, and I just reacted, man. Um, but I don't, I don't, I don't, outside of Dennis Rodman, man, doing what I played, man, I, I pretty much got along with, with everybody. I didn't talk to a lot of people. You know, if I didn't really know you, like, I got to know Depp a little, little bit after we got traded, even though we would work out at the Pro Racket Club in Bel- in um, Bellevue um, or Redmond, Washington. Just sitting right down that daggone board. I'm not sure if it's in Bellevue or Redmond, but right off 149th Street. And so, uh, but later on in my career, I got to know Depp, you know, fairly well. We would work out together and things. Uh, 
But, I mean, you know, I hung out with certain people, you know, mostly my teammates, you know. I, I would say I still had that college mentality. Uh, these are the 12 guys I'm going with, so I kind of right. stick with them, unless yeah. it's somebody like I knew very well, Rodney McCray or Alex English, who's from my hometown, Tyrone Corbin, who's from my hometown. We played high school ball together. So um, it depends on how well I knew you, you know. So, um, you know, me and Patrick, we, we we met each other at the Pan Am game. We were about 19, 20 years old at the time. Well, at least I was 19 going on 20. He, uh, uh, so, um, you know, I, I just, I, I guess I would say I hit that, even in the pros, I didn't like talking because, you know, you, you listen to the guys talk. We hated each other a lot of the times. Nobody gave a damn about Michael Jordan and what he did. And, and then when he tried to stand up and say, yeah, I stood up to the bully. He was talking about me in the last dance <laughs> in the 91-92 season. Okay. Uh, mother, mother, I don't want to hear that shit. You, you, you know, I mean, I, I, the documentary was, but it was all about Michael Jordan. I don't know why you call it the last dance, but it's all about <laughs> Michael Jordan. Yeah, you're right. I, I respect Mike. I respect Mike, but, you, you know, you enhancing yourself, and I don't think you needed to be enhanced, you know. And I, I can understand that, you know, pushing guys in practice. And I told somebody, if I played for the Bulls, he wouldn't have told the motherfucker I couldn't eat. If I told me I couldn't eat, ain't nobody on the goddamn plane would have ate, including, including Phil Jackson. Nobody would have ate. I kicked <laughs> all that shit over. Yeah, I, so, right I agree with so you. So I respect Mike, yeah. and I respect him as an individual. I respect him as an athlete. But when you tell somebody you ain't going to eat, ain't but two people, three people in this world can tell me I ain't going to eat. And all three are dead. Now, my mama, my daddy, my grandma. So, I mean, he's a great, great player. And, I, 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 hey, we all believe in the words we say. So, just like he said, he don't apologize for what he did or what he, what he didn't do and how he went by. Hey, man, you do you. But, I mean... It, you ain't gonna tell nobody don't feed me, cause if you if I ain't eating, ain't nobody gonna eat. Yeah, I never re- I never really understood that documentary. It seemed like he was uh, they were tearing down other people to elevate Michael. And like you said, what you said was really poignant. Don't he's already at the top. He's already up here. <laughs> I'm on the phone. Oops. <laughs> Sleep, Mark. It's ten o'clock. <laughs> was that your kid? <laughs> no, that's my wife. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was just going to say the documentary wanted to elevate him even higher. And I'm like, there's, he's already the best player. There's nowhere to elevate him to. Like you don't need there's to tear no other people to down. <laughs> it's going to be about him and LeBron. Who's the best. I mean, it's just, it's just talk. Speaking of the best, just, I, I gotta, I gotta ask you about the, uh, that, uh, what was it? 86 season, 87 season. You, Tom yeah. Chambers and Dale Ellis all scored over 20 points per game. And I was thinking to myself, I was a kid back then, and I'm just like, oh, my God, I want this every year for the rest of my life. And, <laughs> and uh, well, I thought it was going to last forever. And, it's, yeah. you know, it's too yeah. bad because well, you never see that. One thing you can say, ain't nothing lasts forever. But, hey, man, I look at Chris Mullins. And, uh, uh, Are you talking about the Cole Hardaway, oh, Mitch yeah. Richmond, And they talk about, you know, them three. But they wasn't as lethal as us. I don't, I don't care what I they agree. They was not as lethal as us. And 
because Seattle don't have a team, we can never get together. We can't never get together and tell our story, you know, we, you know, and, and, and none of us was ball dominant. You know, you look at the NBA today, Luka Doka is ball dominant. He got the ball out of 24 seconds. He, they throw it into him. He got the ball 18 seconds, 20 seconds sometimes. Shit, you're supposed to make shots. <laughs> yeah. well, we were in sets. And when we had an ISO, the whole thing about an ISO was you had to go quick. Mm-hmm. The Bernie used to always say, shit, or get off the pot. <laughs> you know? So sometimes I'll get in, I'll be doing stuff, and he'll back then, shit, or get off the pot. So, I mean, you, but that's the way they do it now. Four out, one got the ball, and it's ball dominant now. Um, I would like to see a little bit more movement in it but i mean this is the way they play now so but i enjoy watching it man that's 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 my that's my life sports sports of my life it's, it's football season and i catch a little basketball soon as football about over with in the playoffs. now i'm watching all basketball baseball coming out watch a little baseball but then when the, when basketball's over about over with in the playoff i watch more baseball <laughs> i mean that's that's my life is sports is, is my life but i mean uh, I just wish that Seattle had a team, man. So myself, Dale, and, and Tom, we could talk about that magical year. And then uh, we came back and did it again the next year. We That's just right. didn't do it as high. But we all scored 20 points a game. And uh, what that was, the 87, 88, 88, 89. I think Tom left out the 89 seats. We did it for two years. I'm not sure what Tim Hardaway and how many years they did it with but I know we did it for two years. Well, we want you guys to all come back too. That's, yes, that's, we do. yeah, we, that, that has to happen. Absolutely. Yeah, I'd be glad when, I'd be glad when it happened, but I, I know it's going to happen because everything I'm hearing throughout the player, so retire association that it, it, it's going to happen, man. Um, but I just think that Seattle and the city council, they need to make sure, but that, that cracking arena is beautiful. Uh, I, I I did a, a walk through it. Uh, oh, cool. Lenny Wilkins was having his thing. Uh, what that was uh, last year. Yeah. When he had Lenny Wilkins' way. I came up there, uh, and I didn't know they was doing Lenny Wilkins. Uh, something else for Lenny. A uh, couple couple months ago, that I seen uh, when they had the game up there, and uh, uh, man, I was just mad. Man, they ain't nobody called me. I'd have bought my own damn ticket. Got my own room. I wasn't worried about that. I just want to get in the game. Yeah. It better not let me find out who did it and didn't call <laughs> me. <laughs> I, I got one last question for you. I mean, you worked, you had Bob Blackburn announcing the Sonics games. Yes. And then I think it, Kevin Calabro maybe announced right. one or two seasons with you. And yeah. did you have a favorite or, or were they both amazing in their own way? I think they both were amazing. First, it was Bob. And it was somebody else with him. I can't remember. And then Kevin came on, maybe about my third or fourth year in the league. And um, those guys were great, man. They they are they are Sonic fans, and and uh, I think Kevin and I is doing Sacramento games. I think I think okay. he's doing that. Kevin's uh, with Portland now. Portland, one of them. Te- yeah. I knew it was one of them. Yeah. Um, so um, they were great guys, man. And. And man, and and and, and Frank Furtado, uh, someone told me he passed away. 
Yeah. Um, one of the best trainers. Oh Nobody my God. Let me know. Brian, what, what did, what did Jim McElveen tell us about Furtado that we didn't know? Like long story. I, I don't remember the story, but Jim McElveen raved. We talked to former Sonic Jim McElveen and he raved about Frank Furtado. What an amazing guy he was and all his medical stuff. He introduced yeah. to the league. Yeah. I mean, let me tell you something. I was there. I stayed in that training room. If you ever talked to Nate, Dana Burrow, Sean, Derek McKee, any of these guys, you talked, I stayed in there. And man, Frank was like the coolest guy that you could ever know. Say, what do you want to eat? And we'd be down there eating all the time and we'd be getting therapy. And he was like, I got this new machine. I just hurt my knee. And, and, um, he put this thing like sawdust, warm a knee up and, and stuff, man. And we were just always together, you know, like he would come to my room. I'll go to his room and sometimes he would just like sleep in my room to make sure that I was ready for that next game. I'm going to tell you, <laughs> man, it wasn't for Frank Potato, man. Any other trainer, I probably would have missed a lot of games. Yeah. You know, you got to realize, I, I mean, whew. That body takes a toll, man, and you get hit. And I remember my first game, and we were playing Dallas, and he was round the clock giving me treatment. But my back wasn't getting any better. Hmm. And I had some bad back spots. Al Wood, Jerry Henderson, called his chiropractor, and he cracked my back. And I, well, I see the side of Frank, man, I got scared because he just didn't like chiropractors. But I went out and I played because I don't think I would have been able to play that first game without that chiropractor. He cracked my back, and I was like, oh, shit. Ooh, yeah. okay. <laughs> and, awesome. and that was my first game. I was about to miss that game. But uh, Frank was a, was a stand-up guy, man. Him and Sarah. Sarah took care of me, his wife. I mean, anything I needed at all, I could call. I would be with another team and call him. And she'd be like, okay, Xavier, I'll make sure it's taken care of him for you. Oh, cool. And so, um, I, when I first got to Seattle, that's who took me out to eat. I, I tell people, man, Frank was even some of the guys used to tease me. I always talking about Frank, boy, you and Frank, boy, Frank, your daddy. In it. <laughs> 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 yeah. so he was he was a, he was a stand up guy, great guy, man. And and I I just recently found out that he passed a couple of years ago. Yeah. Someone told me, and I did not know it, man. So. Uh, I tell you, man, best training in the NBA. Awesome. I've been around five teams, and I mean, all of them are good. But Frank, Frank even did my toes. He Your made toes? sure my toes stay straight. He made sure. I mean, he made sure everything, everything that you needed, he was there for you, wow, and wow. you could call him at any time. Like I remember, I had my first knee injury, and. They didn't give me no medicine. Oh, look, oh my <laughs> Came all the way to my house, got the medicine, and gave it to me, man. That's the type of trainer he was. He ain't called nobody else. Nice. He came and, and and brought me my medicine, man. Straight stand-up guy, man. Awesome. Uh, rest in peace. Absolutely, man. Awesome. Well, thank thank you, X-Man. We're getting towards the end of our show here. Uh, where can okay. where can people find you? I'm in Columbia, South Carolina right now. I live in I say Columbia because if I say Blythewood, ain't nobody going to know what I'm talking about. I live in Blythewood, <laughs> South Carolina. I've been living here for 27 years. And you're on social and, media? Uh, um, 
I'm on um, Twitter, that's it. I just got on Twitter about five months ago, less than five months ago. First time I've been on social media. I, I, I don't go on it every day, uh, but I do tweet some things out occasionally. You know, uh, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to catch up to this generation. <laughs> I'm just an old school cat, man. You know, uh, people, oh man, just text me. I said, why the hell I got to text you? You know, people come up with this crazy thing. Well, maybe if I don't want to talk, I text. Well, if you don't want to talk, just just pick up the phone and say, hey, man, let me call you back later. I don't want to talk. <laughs> don't be having me text you. I, I'm, I'm, I like to sit on the phone and talk to people, man. Right. But that, but, that, but, but that's the society that we become. Yeah. I ain't like that. You know, I give people my number all the time, and I say, hey, call me up. You know, uh, now, if you need to call me, you need to send me your number so I can store it in because – I don't, my this is an iPhone. It only takes phone calls in my um in my um contact um, list. Contact. Yeah. Yeah. Or it's gonna go to voicemail and then you gotta leave me a message. A friend of mine's left me a message. I'm looking at eight four three. That's Charleston, South Carolina. I wait a couple of days. I said, <laughs> man, what you you don't move to Charleston? He's like, nah. <laughs> he just got a Charleston number. So, um, you know, I, I just like one of them guys, man. I ain't. I tell people all the time. I don't have two and three phones. You know, somebody, they give you a number. Like one day, Sean said, X, call me. I call him. It's a damn voicemail. <laughs> and, you know, I call people. I get. I got one number, man. I, I give people the number, man. Well, That's when, the easiest way to get me. Well, when the Sonics come back, we'll definitely see you here. We're going to make sure that yeah, happens. Because oh, somebody yeah, because drop, somebody <laughs> dropped the ball on there, and I find out who it is, man. They're going to have some problems. Yes. X-Men, uh, <laughs> X-Men we always end with uh, shout-outs. Do you have a shout-out for us today? Uh yeah, my shout out is to be Zelina McDaniel's birthday tomorrow. <laughs> Happy birthday, baby girl! And uh, she should be twenty nine. Oh, nice. Yes, she should be twenty. No, twenty eight. I'm sorry, twenty eight. Twenty eight. Ninety four. Happy birthday. She should, yeah, happy birthday, Big Z. I'll be calling the first thing in the morning. She probably ain't gonna answer because I'm gonna be up at like seven o'clock. And she'll call me back though. Very cool. And I'm going to give my shout out to my dad who just had a birthday this last week. Uh, he's still going strong and uh, still still writing books at his age. It's fantastic. Happy birthday, dad. How about you, Solak? Uh, you know me, I have like a million shout outs every week, but I'm going to uh, not because you're our guest, X-Men, but I'm going to give you a shout out. I mean, we truly appreciate this. I mean, you were my favorite player growing up. I'm sure you're thousands of people's favorite player, but I had your poster. I don't remember which one it was. And probably the one wall. with the dog. Probably the one with the dog. It could have been, yep. Yeah. <laughs> but there, no, ser seriously, someone needs to write a book about you. God bless you, man. Thank you. Hey, thank you. Hey, you guys got my number anytime, man. You don't want oh, me on man. anytime. That is I awesome. don't have this number. You ain't got to worry about it. Change. I don't have it for about 25 years. <laughs> Outstanding. <laughs> we'll awesome. love to have you on again. Okay, just well, anytime, let me know. Well, thank you, Xavier McDaniel, for joining the show. On behalf of Brian the Soul Man Solak, I'm Abraham Dewey. This is the Seattle Sports Union. Check out our podcast on seattlesportsunion.com as well. Check it out on Captivate FM, Spotify, iTunes, and wherever else you find your podcast. We'll see you guys next time. <laughs>